0: We're so glad you guys are here. My name is Healy. I work on staff at KU. And my
1: name is Lacey, and I work out um, at the University of Missouri. You guys went do the smartphone breakout, that was my hubby. And we have three kids, um, two boys and a girl, and they're six, four,
0: and two. I have no kids, but I'm a single girl at KU. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're so excited that you guys are here. Today, we are going to be talking about Image. And I realized I don't have a computer. But I have no. Oh, it's right there. Nice I got Yes. Um, The suspense is killing you all, I know. What's on our next slide? I don't know. Uh, Yes, so today we're gonna be talking about image. We are so excited you guys are here. And we're gonna be walking through this question. So what does God say about image security and where to find my worth? So as girls, I feel like this question is very relevant. And so um, it's even been kind of mentioned I feel like in different uh, main sessions and things throughout the last couple of days. So we're gonna unpack it. We're gonna look at culture's definition of image, and then we're going to look at what God has to say about an image and where we can find our worth. But before we do, how many of you guys rocked some of these trends? I need some verbal affirmation. Mainly the eyebrows, putting that to your mouth. Yeah, you anyone roll it up on the side? That was like me animal the line. Uh, the sparkly of. Yeah, that, yes, I saw the hand. Yes, really. Yeah, that was the thing in my high school. The mix match socks, specifically with open toe shoes. You can see your mix match. Yeah, that was my big. Uh, the front hair clip, a little blanket action. Yeah. It was like multiple bobby pins going on, like the crisscross thing. Yeah, wow. super weird. Uh, and then the feather hair clip, else? Wow, okay, that might have better response than I thought. I remember having this and now we'd be like, really, what is in your hair? But at the time it was like how many hundred minutes. get?"
1: Okay, so discuss
0: this question amongst yourselves and then we're gonna get started. What were some of your fake trends that have gone out of style?
1: All right, I am going to pull us
0: back together. I know that was not a long time, but you guys are really trendy, so it makes sense you have a lot to say. Um, so it makes sense, though, that you know at some point in our life we have these trends that we were off, and then now they've completely gone out of style. It's like we've all been there where there's a trend that comes out, we're first to jump on it, and then the next day you wear it, and it's like already out of style, and you feel super late, and you're like, what? I thought this just was cool yesterday. So it's like this treadmill lifestyle that I feel like we just can't keep up with, and us as girls especially feel the pressure to keep up on the treadmill life. And so if we're not crazy for feeling this way. These facts are actually crazy. So the beauty industry in the U.S. is considered to be the most valuable market for beauty in the world in 2020, which I cannot believe. And the revenue that we're making is like $50 billion, but it's gonna exceed $800 billion by 2025, which i might like, that's the national debt, I think. I'm not like good at finances, but that's a lot of money. And social media advertising is like $36 billion, but that's gonna surpass 50 billion by the end of 2025. So that's like the you know influencers and the bloggers and more cases, you know, all those people out there. And um, so I think when we look at these facts, clearly our culture puts a ton of pressure on image, attaining the perfect image, looking a certain way. And so we're not crazy to feel like we have to keep up. I feel like what our culture is willing to pay in time and money and resources, it reflects what it values. And I think it's safe to say that we live in kind of an image-obsessed culture. And I think we'd be a little silly to think that we are not impacted by that in some way, shape or form, whether we see it or not. And so we are going to take some time to first unpack what is culture's definition of image? What are we really talking about here? And then we're gonna look at what does God have to say about image? And so, first of all, the definition of image is on your guys' handout, so feel free to follow along. Um, but image, simply defined, is the general impression that a person presents to the public, a mental representation or an idea. And so image, a couple things stand out to me when I first look at this definition. And the first thing is just that it is intangible. So you guys can follow along some of those blanks at the top of your handout, but image is something intangible. And so image is an impression, or this perfect image is not something that we can tangibly grasp, define, or attain. So that's the next blanks on there, but we can't grasp it, define it, or attain it. And so because no one has set a standard for us of what this perfect image is, it means we are constantly trying to figure out, have I attained it, where am I at, and how can I attain this perfect image? So it's intangible. Next is just that it's inconsistent and constantly changing with the culture. So it's inconsistent and changing with the culture. And I think we see this in our trends. Obviously when we were in seventh grade rocking some of these things, we thought we looked awesome. But now we look back and we're like, what was I wearing, that's so embarrassing. And it's because our, our culture is constantly changing its opinion on what is valuable and acceptable. And so it leaves us feeling like we have to keep up and constantly pivot and change. And so it's inconsistent. And lastly, image is a mirror, and it shows a reflection. So it's a mirror, and shows a reflection. Clearly, this isn't explicitly in the definitions. This is a little bit of interpretation. But when you think about a mirror, a mirror reflects an image. And so when we think about image as a mirror, it means our image reflects our appearance, character, actions, and presents an impression to those around us. And so because of this, in our culture, the way that it has defined image, it has made it so that our eyes are constantly having to be fixed on ourselves because we are having to constantly think, what kind of image am I portraying to people? What do others think of me? Am I giving off the right image? And so unfortunately, this sounds a little harsh, but it has kind of led us to have our eyes fixed only on ourselves, wondering what we are reflecting in our image to those around us, leading to insecurity and anxiety and so you know we feel this anxiety and wondering are we keeping up but we also feel this insecurity of comparing ourselves to others and wondering what our image is like and so um, for the next couple of minutes we're just going to walk through okay where are we tempted then to build our image I know we're rolling pretty quick but we got a lot to cover so um, buckle up so the next couple bits um, on your guys's handout, there's a lot of blanks so feel free to write whatever you want take a picture of the screen if you don't have time whatever works for you but we are just going to walk through um a a couple different places that we feel like you know us as women me and macy are thinking okay where are we tempted to build our image on and we can make this list because we're girls and we get it and we have been there or we are there and so we're not making this list saying these things are bad in and of themselves that's quick disclaimer um but a lot of these areas in and of themselves they're not bad But when we try to find our image in them and them alone, then we're always going to be left wanting more and feeling unfulfilled. And so that first area is in our reputation. uh, Our reputation. And so our definition of reputation, just we're all on the same page, it is the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. It's from Webster, nothing fancy. So reputation, Um, and it's interesting because reputation, the definition is super similar to the definition from image, where it's very intangible. It's someone else's opinion of me. I can't see it, and I certainly can't control it. And so if we build our image around our reputation only, it leaves it so that when someone else's opinion changes about me, or I do something that jeopardizes my reputation, it all comes crumbling down, and then our image is crushed. And so we just see that it is this moving target that is really inconsistent. And so I'm just gonna read off a couple ways that maybe this could play out and this could be a totally new concept for you and that is totally okay so as we're walking through some of these things if this is something you have never thought about before of oh am i building my image in this area it's like that's okay i encourage us all to just kind of like think okay is this could this be true in any area of my life and what does this look like maybe for me
1: um but
0: maybe this could look like a couple different things but maybe it's having our primary motivation be you know wanting to look good in the eyes of others, whether that is social media, who we associate with, choices that we make, but ultimately kind of being driven by how we will be appearing to other people. Maybe it's feeling controlled by fear, whether it's rejection from others, if we, like, own our faith, say we've been growing in our faith for a while, or even just the approval of others, fear and bad. Um, or maybe it's just feeling like our reputation is just distracting us from really important things in our life, namely our relationship with God. Um, and so a key question that we could ask ourselves, I don't know if you guys can read it on the screen. Um, but just do I find myself frequently asking the question, how will this make me look, and will this help my reputation? So feel free to take a picture of this if you want to, but um, that's kind of a key question that we can ask ourselves to know. Are, am I building my image around my reputation alone? And the next area is in our resume. And so that's the next R in your handout is resume. And this can be success, leadership, leadership positions, jobs, internships, whatever it might be. But I think we are tempted to want to find maybe our image. Some of us um, around our accomplishments and what we have done. And a disclaimer: it is not bad to want to work hard and you know do great things out there. But if we build our image only on our resume, we are also going to be underbuilt at the end of the day. And so maybe this could play out in our lives of competing with those around us, you know, listening to others' resumes and competing, feeling the need to say yes to a million things, like spreading ourselves super thin. I used to be that being a mile wide, and like an inch deep, um, building an image of being busy all the time. Maybe it's wanting to boast about things that you've accomplished, whether in just like everyday life things, or if you've been growing in your faith for a while, maybe it's trying to find some accomplishment in impacting other people in their faith, and kind of building a resume in a sense in that way. And so a key question we could ask is just, do I find myself making a lot of my decisions in light of what will help build my resume, even at the expense of my health, time, Relationships and other important parts of my life. So, like I said, snap a snap take if you want. We're gonna roll pretty quick. Um, the next area is in appearance. So, this is just how we look to other people, whether it's outwardly body image, whatever it might be, um, but appearance. And so, like I said, another disclaimer: it is not bad to want to dress cute, curl your hair, wear makeup. I have no idea how to do my makeup. I literally did it in the dark the other day in my hotel room. But I like dressing cute and I like doing my, my hair. So it's not bad to want to do that. But I think we can kind of become obsessed a little bit. So a key question could be, are my thoughts centered on my appearance to the point that it's distracting me from everyday life and dictating how I feel about myself? So depending on our answer to this question, um, can indicate if we are building our image around our appearance. Maybe it's an obsession with workout trends, you know, keeping up with the latest trends in clothing, or having this perfect body, whatever it might be, but just finding our image and fixating on this perfect image. Um, and then the next area is just in our friendships. So that is the F on your handout, that's the like blank there. Um, so our friendships. And like we were talking at the beginning, where because image and our culture, the way that it has been defined, it's kind of fixed our eyes inwardly on ourselves, and so as a result, a area that this can play out in could be in our friendships, where it makes it so that our friendships become really me-centered instead of others-centered. If we are building our image solely on our friendships, and so a key question could be: Do I often find my, or do I oftentimes view my friendships through the lens of what they are attaining for me, whether it be status, fulfillment, or popularity? And so maybe this could be. Feeling the need to be friends with all the right people, or only a certain group of people, or not people that are different from me, or maybe it's feeling the need to have a billion followers on every social media platform that you're on, but not really being known by people, but wanting to kind of have that appearance that you have, you know, all you know, all these different followers and friends, but not really being known. Or maybe it's just kind of doing friendships of so what can I get out of this? You know, what can this friendship get me? Uh, either X, Y, Z, um, fill in the blank, but. That could be an indicator that we might be building our image around our friendships. Um, And then that last area is just social media. So this is no surprise, obviously social media is huge. Raise your hand if you're on social media. Yes, so whether it's one platform or it's all of them, I have no idea how to work most of them, but um, I'm online too. So, uh, but social media, it really is clearly going to impact our life because it's such a big part of our culture and of our life. And so I think because of that, it is easy for us as women to want to build our image solely on our social media appearance and aesthetic. Um, and so a key question could be, do I find social media becoming a distraction in my everyday life, relationships with others, and even mental health? I think the mental health is a, is a big one. But um, with social media, maybe this could play out in a couple different ways. So maybe this could be posting an image of ourselves that isn't reality, um, but it's a little Like the highlight reel of our life, maybe it's an addiction to social media. Feeling like you can't not be on social media, whether it's because you feel like you know we feel like we always need to be in the know, or we feel like we'll miss out if we're not on social media, or we just have to be. Maybe it's a pressure to keep up with Snapstreaks. I don't have Snapchat, but you know Snapstreaks here are a big thing. So it's like keeping up with those, or maybe it's just a pressure to always be in the know. Maybe it's looking for affirmation through different photos that we're posting in order to get attention. And that's kind of like the main motivator for posting those things. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, we're finding social media being a distraction away from our relationship with God. I feel like that kind of relates to the phone, uh breakout probably too. But just having our, um, our social media be kind of a distraction away from our relationship with God. Um, and so a quick disclaimer, again, I feel like i have given a lot. But um, a disclaimer is just that these things in and of themselves, again, they are not bad. But, kind of like we have been talking in the main sessions, it's like if we build our image completely and solely around all these things,
1: we are always going
0: to be left high dry and we're going to be wanting more and we're going to be unfulfilled. And so it's crazy because when you look at our culture, there's a lot of celebrities and things out there that make it seem like they never experienced this. They have all these things and they've never felt unfulfilled, it's like I don't believe and I think, well, I'm not a big sports gal, so you guys can call me out, I'm a bandwagon fan. I love the Chase Summer Lawrence, but I know nothing about football. Um, but Tom Brady, according to Wikipedia, in a little bit I know, is a well-decorated you know, NFL player. He's been in the NFL for like 20 years, um, won multiple Super Bowl championships. And in an interview with 60 Minutes, I don't remember when this was, but in an interview with 60 Minutes, he was basically saying, I'm in team. And I think his response is really sobering he says, maybe a lot of people would say, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream. I think, gosh, there has got to be more than this. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I've done it. What else is there for me? What else is there for me? I think this kind of goes even with what um, we've been hearing in different main sessions, is what else is there? Is there more? Because even the people who have had these perfect reputations, this perfect image, this perfect Um, resume in the eyes of the sports world, he's still asking the question, what else is there? This isn't it, I need more. And another example of this is Selena Gomez. So, I feel like a lot of people are big fans. And Selena Gomez had a quote specifically talking about social media. But she said, I had to stop because I had everything and I was absolutely broken inside. And I think that is a very sobering thought to just think, wow, we can have the perfect reputation, the perfect appearance, the perfect Um, friendships, resumes, social media profiles, and we can still be absolutely broken inside and be asking the question, is there more? And Macy is going to walk through where that more is found, but I think what we are ultimately looking for is these four things. So these are those blanks within your meetup. It's just, what are these underlying desires? I think as women, it is to be known and loved, to belong, to have purpose, to be secure. So we are looking for these things, and when we are running to find them in all of these areas that we just talked about, we are not going to have them
1: met, fulfilled. And I can
0: speak from experience, because I know for myself that I have always been left unfulfilled when I have run to these things. Um, but there's another option. And so um, for a quick minute, we are gonna do a little bit of reflection, um, and just think amongst, just for yourself, which area am I most tempted to build my image on, and what underlying desire is revealed in that area? So maybe take 30 seconds and think about that for yourself. All right, I'm sure that was not enough time, uh, but I'm going to bring this back together. So if you're kind of left on a cliffhanger, and you're like, OK, well, where's the more? Where do I find these desires met? Clearly, our world is letting us down, because every time it tells us to go back to these things, we are left empty. And so there has got to be a lasting solution for more, and there is. And so Macy is going to walk us through how we find these desires met. Awesome.
1: Thanks, Kaylee. OK, so yes. About image, I kind of think of it as like a new age topic and something that we're talking a lot more about in this generation than we ever have in the past. There's just so many more platforms for us to um, present ourselves and create an image on that probably the previous generations or decades they haven't really had these things. And so, what's really cool and kind of neat is that God actually talks about image in the very first chapter of the Bible, and He talks about image even specifically specifically when it comes to creating mankind, and I think that's amazing, and so I love that God did this because I think in order for us to understand who we are and how these underlying desires are to be met, that we needed to go back to see how we originally created and designed, because the world would tell us that we are to reflect ourselves, that we are to, you know, build up our own name and craft this person to the world built on ever changing and shifting things but God tells us something different and so I'm excited to explore that with you so let's go back to how it all started and that is our next slide we're going to look at Genesis 1 27 says so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them and so God created us not to reflect our own image the world, and that I think is a little bit of a liberating thing, knowing that it's not about us, right? But that He created us to reflect Him to the world, that He wants to take up residence in our heart and then reflect His image to the world. But so we're going to take a look at two words in this sentence that I think are going to help us unpack and understand this a little bit more. Of what does it mean to be created in God's image? So, created, very simple to shape or to form. zipper Okay. So when you guys think about creating something that holds great worth and great value to you, you're gonna take a lot of time, care, and intentionality to create that thing.
0: Whether it's a meal
1: that you wanna cook for dinner or a piece of art or pottery, whatever it is, you're gonna take a lot of care and time to do that. Why? It's because that thing holds a lot of value because you care deeply about it. And I think in the same way, God gives us That he loves you so much that he took great time, care, and intentionality to create you inside and out. And if you guys want to put a little reference on your page, um, at some point, go to Psalm 139 and it unpacks this whole idea of God creating you and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that he loves you deeply and that he knows all the thoughts you think all the feelings you feel. And so this meets an underlying desire for us, right? To be known, to be understood, and also to belong. And so if we have a creator and we are created, we belong to someone and we belong to him. And I think that's an amazing truth. And Psalm 139 unpacks that a little bit more for us. I love this box because it says it's simply, we have a God who thought of you, created and crafted you with great parent intentionality. This means that you holy by your creator. And I think that's beautiful. The next word we're going to look up is image. Okay, so it says Hebrew right next to it. That's kind of random. But the whole Old Testament was written originally in the language of Hebrew. So we're going to take a look at the Hebrew definition of image. And it says it's an unused root meaning to shade, a phantom, or figuratively in its illusion, a resemblance, hence a representative figure. And so this totally to reflect God to the world, that we are called to resemble him and to be a representative figure. How amazing is that? So this kind of takes us off the treadmill lifestyle of always having to keep up, where I think there's great security in um, reflecting God's image to the world because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I think this meets some underlining um, desires is to have purpose, Have great security, and it's found, I think, in um, reflecting God's image to the world. Well, we can reflect God in a couple different ways, in multiple ways, but I'm only going to talk about three. Um, The first one is physically, the second one is spiritually, and the third is morally. And so, physically, in the Bible, it talks about God having eyes that move to and fro throughout the earth, looking to those that fully love Him. It talks about the face of God multiple times, and it also references um, in um, Isaiah 59, 1, that God's arm is not too short to save. Well, we have eyes, we have faces, we have arms, and so God created us physically to help us understand his nature a little bit more. And also, it says God is spirit. Well, we have a spirit inside of us, so we understand a little bit of that dimension. And then also, we, God has a moral character, and so he is perfectly loving, he's perfectly just, He's perfectly merciful, kind, gentle, other-centered. And he wants us to also reflect him in that way, being perfectly loving and just and other-centered and kind and compassionate. And so I think that is amazing. And so when you guys think about this unused root meaning to shade, I was thinking, how does this, how does a shade relate to image that seems random? But then I got to thinking about a tree a huge oak tree in the middle of a field. And so, you see the shadow that's casted on the ground, and if I were to go sit underneath the shade of that oak tree, and I look down at what image is casted on the ground, what image do you think would be casted? Is it mine? No. It's the oak trees. And I think in the same way, God is asking us to come underneath his shade. His shade of protection, his shade of leadership, of love, of authority, so that reflect himself to the world through us. And I think that is beautiful. I think that's an amazing parallel. It helps us better understand what does it mean to be made in the image of God and to reflect him to the world. Okay, so image is a lot different um, on God's terms than it is the world's terms. So image is something tangible. We can look at the Bible and see who God is. That is tangible, and we can reflect him to the world. It's consistent. And it's never changing. Like I said before, God never changes. and He's the same always. And so I think that helps us see that our underlying desires can be met through God alone. That we are known and loved. That we belong to a creator who loves us deeply. That we have great purpose by reflecting him to the world. And that we can be secure in him alone. And so, let's take time to reflect and discuss this question. What stands out to you about God? Um, And it says how he has made us and how we can meet our desires. So go ahead and chat with the people next to you about that. All right, we're going to bring it back here. Um, I know it's never enough time to talk about these things. But when you think about the perfect image of God and the way we were created to reflect him perfectly to the world,
0: when we walk out the doors of
1: our home, when we look at the news, the perfect image of God in every way all the time. No, they're not. And for sure this year we've seen a lot of brokenness in our culture and society today. So when I think about a perfect image, we brought a mirror.
0: And so here's a perfect
1: image and it reflects each one of you in a perfect way. But then when we think about the brokenness that we see in our culture today, here's the mirror. And if we were to look into this mirror, we would still see parts of us, right? But we would see a distorted picture of who we are. And so we look at society. We definitely see um, pieces of good, and we see glimpses of God in um, our society. But we don't see a clear picture because we see a lot of brokenness, or maybe we felt a lot of brokenness, or maybe we even have. And each one of us do have some brokenness in our life and in our heart because of sin. And the Bible actually talks about sin, and it is... First of all, I was going to talk about how image becomes self-centered. So because of this brokenness, we have no longer reflected God to the world. We've reflected ourselves. So self has become the thing that we've reflected, and that's been what we've built our image around. And so because of this, we have sin. And sin, um, a good description of it, is Jeremiah 2.13. And you've seen this because Maggie E. talked about it in one of the break, or one of the main sessions. But it says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so the word forsaken here literally means to turn your back on. So we, it says, because of sin in our lives, we have turned our back on God. And we've turned our back on the worth and the value he offers us in the life and the love that he offers us, that we've turned our back on him and that we've run after Broken cisterns, so what is a cistern? The cistern is a well that's dug in the ground meant to hold water, but if it's broken, obviously it can't hold water. And so, some of these cisterns are what Amy even talked about with us at the very beginning. So like reputation, or appearance, or friendships, or social media, that we run after these things to meet our underlying desires of belonging, to feel loved, to feel secure. And what God is saying here is that they don't meet them, but it's not even possible. But we've forsaken the one source that can meet all of those needs, which is pretty crazy. And so Charles Spurgeon actually is a um, well, he's very popular um, in Christian circles. He was a, lived a couple hundred years ago, but he is an amazing man who wrote this quote. I think he's onto something and it says men and women are in restless pursuit after satisfaction in earthly things. They turn to another and another of Earth's broken cisterns, hoping to find water where not a drop was ever discovered yet. And I think he is. I think there's some truth here to that, that we have to keep running back to the worldly things because they don't ever fully satisfy. And so let's uh, discuss this question. How do we see this brokenness reflected in our culture around us today? Go ahead and chat about that. Okay, so we back to together. So brokenness in, our problems, and brokenness in our lives, and what this brokenness has done is separated us from God. Since we turn our back on Him, it has separated us from God, and sin has broken that relationship with God. So who can redeem us? How can we restore this broken mirror that each of us have in our lives? And so we are going to look at there was one man who came to this earth that lived a perfect life. And he had the perfect image of God and reflected it perfectly to the world around him from the day he was born to the day that he died. And he was fully God and fully man. And in Colossians 1, this is God's solution. In Colossians 1.15, it says, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn all, over all creation that from the very beginning of time, all the way until Jesus came to earth, there was not one person who had a perfect mirror that reflected God perfectly, and so here Jesus came to this earth, and he was, this is what I love, he was 18, 19, 20, at one point in his life, he never sinned, he never had a bad thought, he never was insecure, he never thought badly about someone, or judged someone, or compared himself, he literally was and so because he was perfect and had no sin himself, he was able to take all of our sin. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 said, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. And we say that this verse is the great exchange verse, and what I mean by that is that Jesus takes all of our on the cross, and then if we enter into a relationship with him, and submit our lives to him, and make Him number one priority, then what happens is he credits us all of his righteousness, and so what was broken and severed before in our relationship with God, which was sin, and had broken that relationship, Jesus has mended, and so Jesus has taken the barrier of sin away, and has given us his righteousness which enables us to be in right standing before God so that we can have a right relationship, a redeemed, a rescued, a restored relationship with God, which is amazing. So here are, oh, one more slide here, is there was a man who um, had a very broken ear, and he um, did a lot of um, things that he regretted. And when you think about a mirror that's broken, like his was shattered, and what didn't just have a few cracks in it, it was had lots of pieces missing. And he uh, recognized that Jesus died on the cross for him, and that was personal to him. That the cross meant something. That Jesus, when he died, had this man in mind. He had each one of you in mind when he died on the cross. And so what he did is written in Galatians two twenty. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this was Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, but he had a life before Christ that was a shattered mirror. And so when Jesus came into his life and redeemed him, this is how he responded. He took self out of the picture. He said, no longer am I going to live for myself anymore. No longer is self going to be the priority or my passion or anything like that. I'm going to put Christ at the center. So Christ now is going to be my everything. He's going to be my purpose. He's going to be my priority. And he's going to change my perspective. And I think that that's amazing. So that we no longer have to live for a self-centered image, but we can live for a God-centered image. So main points here. Jesus was the image of God and had no sin. Jesus became sin for us and gave us his righteousness. We are no longer to live for ourselves, but to live for God. So these are the main points from those verses that we want to take away. Which is awesome. So we get a set of new directions. If we come into a relationship with God and surrender our lives to him, what happens? Well, we're gonna be able to set a new direction and see this image that's broken become restored. And this is amazing. God plays a role in this and then we also play a role in seeing our image restored. So let's look at God's role. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness or image in a lot of different translations with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what God does is if we commit our lives to him, he puts his Holy Spirit in our hearts and the Holy Spirit goes to work. He goes into every area of our life, mending these broken cracks and these chips and the pieces missing in our life. And I think that's amazing. So five years ago, my mirror looked more cracked than it does today. And hopefully in 10 years, my life will look less cracked than it does today because why the Holy Spirit is at work in making each area of my life look more and more like Jesus? So, what is our role in this, you ask? Well, Second 2 Timothy 2.22 talks about this. It says, our responsibility is to flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we are to flee... or say, or whatever, that wouldn't honor God. And we are to change and shift directions, that we are to run after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And this word righteousness, I think is amazing, because this word righteousness actually means running after who we were ought to be, how we were originally intended to be, a mirror with no cracks in it, which is amazing. And so God created each one of you with perfection in mind. And so he's saying, run after that. Run after the image I intended to create you in, which was to perfectly reflect me. And so that means that we're to run after things like faith, love, and peace. And then what? how are we to do this? With people around us that are running the same race with us, people who will encourage us in our faith, people who um, are excited about the same things, and people who want to get to know God and that will create a synergy with us and make this race fun to run. So those are some of the things um, that we are in our role and responsibility to do. So God has a role he puts put his Holy Spirit inside of us, and then we have a role to flee those things that make, don't make us like God and pull us away from him and to run after these things with friends around us that will make us more like Christ as well. And so these are the ways that we can see our image restored more and more over the years. So one book that I love that I want to recommend to you guys, which I don't know if there's a ton left in the bookstore, but you can also order this online. It's very easy to do. It's called um, In His Image by Jen Wilkins. And so she talks a lot about in this the image that we are um, to reflect in the world and all the different qualities of God that we um, can reflect and grow in. So that's um, a really helpful tool. And so now Haley's going to walk image is
0: awesome. I think there's like three left in the bookstore, so first three, first come, first serve, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but I really do think everything that you were saying, makes. I feel like it's the most refreshing thing to me because I remember sitting when I was beginning to investigate my faith and thinking all of the things that we talked about at the beginning of, you know, all the different places that we were trying to find our image in and feeling unfulfilled like and empty and then thinking about our shattered, cracked mirror. I had a really shattering cracked mirror, we all do, and I was just like, there's just, I'm not a person that I can actually live a new life. Like, There's just no way that God can actually put my mirror back together. I've done too many things, I've been too many places, like whatever it might be, fill in the blank, and I was just like feeling like, I was like, there just is not an option for me to actually be restored. And even if I wanted there to be, there's just no way that I actually could even live differently as a result, like if I, I could even have like a new start, like a new life and so for me i think it was just like the most refreshing thing in the entire world hearing about a god who is personal and what we've been hearing about the last couple of main sessions of a god who is personal and who wants a relationship with each and every one of us and for me sitting and thinking about jesus for the first time and beginning to get to know who he was for real i was like oh my gosh this god is so different than the god that i have heard about for my whole life and this god that i thought was wanting me to be this perfect person put together never make a mistake it was like i never realized that the reason i was able to start a relationship with Jesus was because I couldn't earn it and because my gear was cracked all I had to do was admit that I needed Jesus to fill my spot to exchange his life for mine and his record for mine and give me the ability then to have a fresh start and to set a new direction in my life and so I am just so grateful for my relationship with Jesus because I didn't even know that it was possible until I was midway through my freshman year and so we could be in a variety of different places so if that's you I totally get it. If that's not you and you feel like I've been grown in my faith for a while and I'm just discouraged because I feel like I keep messing up with those things. It's like, I just think it is so refreshing knowing that we have the ability to have a relationship that is personal with the creator of the universe because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, now we get to live in light of who he is and we get to reflect him to other people. And so we thought it could be helpful to go through a couple practicals for us today. And so that first practical, um, yeah, feel free to drop these down, take a picture, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, but maybe the first step for you is just starting a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're sitting here and you're like, I've been thinking about it, but I, I don't know if I really made that decision to put Jesus at the center of my life and give him full control, it's like, hey, that is a great place to start. Because if we want to experience this life of fulfillment and, you know, more and more all those things that we have been talking about, the first step is we have to enter into a relationship with Jesus in order to then experience all of those things. Um, So maybe that is a a first step, that's an awesome first step. And then next, another practical could be just modeling our life after Jesus and living the way that he would. And a great way to do that then, if you're like, well, how did Jesus live? It's like, well, we have a, a Bible that is from the creator of the universe who wants us to know everything that he wants us to know about him, how he wants us to live, how to interact with other people, um, you name it. It is a syllabus for life. And so if we want to know how to model our life after Jesus, we um, can get into God's word consistently and be able to even know how he wants us to live and reflect his image more clearly. Um, Another practical is praying. So God's word or the Bible is like him communicating to us, and prayer is us getting to communicate back to him. And so getting to know him through prayer. Um, maybe it's spending time with friends who encourage you in your faith. This one was huge for me in college and post grad, but um, especially in college, where it was hard to begin, to especially like investigating my relationship with God, but then to really begin following Christ, I was like, I feel like I'm the only one. <laughs> but it was so great to know that I wasn't, and being surrounded by friends of mine that I had that were also pursuing Jesus alongside me it was like, we could encourage each other to continue to reflect God's image together and not do it alone and be isolated. Um, and then it maybe it's sharing our faith with others. Um, And I think it's cool even just thinking um, about the main session this morning, just that we haven't just been saved from something, but for something. And even just thinking about how much God has restored and redeemed my broken mirror, it just motivates me to, I can't help but want to tell other people about that because I know what my life was before Jesus and I would never want to go back. It's like the best decision I ever made was starting a relationship with Jesus and it's like because of that, I just want to tell other people about it, <laughs> and the more that I do, the more I know Jesus, and the more that I love him, and I like, want to spend time with him, and so a great practical could be just sharing our faith with others, just getting out, out there and telling other people about how God has changed life and impacted on you, and sharing with it about Jesus, and how to have a relationship with him, and so the next thing we did want to do, too, is just give you guys these key questions again, and so we flew through them at the end which was cool. Um, But if you wanna take a picture of this slide, um, or read through it on your own um, later, you can. But we thought it could be helpful, just to be able to have um, on your own, to be able to kind of think through, like, hey, maybe one of these topics kind of hit nerve, and you've never thought about it before, it's like, that's totally okay. Um, But what could it look like, then, to take some of these key questions and reflect on them on your own, and to think through, okay, how am I tempted to kind of craft my image on these different areas? Um, So if you got a picture, there you go. If not, let me know. Um, so go ahead and reflect and discuss with those around you this question, and then we are going to be wrapping wrap up. So what is one practical step that you want to make to reflect God's image? All right, girls, we're going to bring back
1: together. Thanks, girls, for joining us.